How do I do my taxes? What's a credit limit? Where can I find a doctor? When's the best time to move? Who can I ask about all this? And why wasn't I taught how to be an adult? Hi, I'm Kathy. And I'm Genevieve. And, and we're, we're just, just as lost as you are. Come along with us as we journey through the weird, confusing, and sometimes scary world of adulthood. Every week, we'll talk with experts and those who have been there, done that, to answer your questions and ours. And on this edutainment podcast, we'll finally learn how to be an adult. So come on. Enjoy the Society of Grownups. Hello, hello, everybody. It is your hosts here of Society of Grownups. I'm Kathy. I'm Genevieve. And here we are on Monday, the adult day, joining you. Happy Pride. Yes. Happy Pride, everybody. I'm kind of sad there's no like pride parades. There's no nothing. But doesn't mean you cannot celebrate pride. Yeah. Educate yourself. Learn about Stonewall. Learn about the origins of pride. Pride did start out as a riot. There's a great documentary on Netflix um, about Marsha P. Johnson. She is so inspiring and fantastic. And there's lots of great movies out there. How to Survive a Plague, about the AIDS uh, epidemic. Yeah. You know, learn your history and who came before you. Celebrate, you know. Yeah. There's just also amazing free resources out there. Like there's YouTube, there's Google. And if you don't know that, I'm sure there's somebody in your life that can point you in the right direction. Yeah. And also be respectful, you know, be respectful, you know, educate yourself. So happy pride from your host at Society of Grownups. And it's June, which is fun. I'm really excited just for warm weather. Kevin and I are working on uh, not redoing, but redecorating our patio, which honestly will feel Ooh. like another room. Yep. Finally setting up the patio furniture. My mom got me <laughs> for my You birthday. got it. You have to send me pics after. I will definitely send you pictures. You yeah. Hopefully going to grow some herbs out there. Uh, Kathy mm. suggested starting with tomatoes and I was like, no, we're going to keep it really basic <laughs> and, and start with herbs. Cause I don't trust start myself. With, start with some basil, but basil dies super fast. Well, also too, and mint. I don't want to kill any tomatoes you know i'm fine killing like sage and other spices and seasonings and i mean they die anyway like you're in toronto it gets cold also i just want to say how jealous i am of everyone in toronto right now because i'm in vancouver and we've it's just been raining constantly we have like two nice days and then it's rain for the next two weeks i miss that comes with the territory though yeah but at least we don't have to shovel you know what i mean i miss seeing sunshine after that would, seeing sunshine for like three months. Yeah, that would bother me too. That would. But it's a beautiful Ugh. city. It is. I can't wait to come visit you. <laughs> yes, you have to. <laughs> yeah. One day. One day. Our guest this week. Holy moly. Whew. We are so, so, so excited. Genevieve and I are huge fans of her. So she is a YouTuber with over 360,000 subscribers and counting writer and decor expert who helps millennials decorate their rental spaces. She's been on Rachel Ray and was voted apartment therapy's design change maker and has given a TED talk about how losing her dream job skyrocketed her career. Please welcome Alexandra Gator. So I'm Alexandra. 
Cassandra and I am a home decor YouTuber. My channel is really focused on helping millennials decorate their, their rental apartments, but my channel also, you know, reaches people who have just bought their first home and who have a maxed out mortgage, but still want to live in a beautiful space. So yeah, I, every week on my channel, I do makeovers, uh, lifestyle content here and there, uh, but primarily it's making over spaces and showing people that it's possible to live in a beautiful space um, even if you you know are an amateur decorator so to start off we wanted to ask uh where do you find your inspiration for home and room makeovers that's a good question and it kind of comes from all over the place i would say definitely you know pinterest and instagram and gaining inspiration from the community there's so many amazing diyers um and decorators doing such cool things online right now. And I feel like that's partly because everyone's been at home and, you know, redoing their spaces. But I also turned to a lot of magazines, a lot of decor books. I actually started in the publishing industry. So magazines are like my, one of my love languages, I would say. Um, and I, I just like pour through them, you know, it doesn't have to be decor necessarily, but just style content and just editorial print content in general is where I gain a lot of my inspiration. So how can people find their design style? I think a lot of people get hung up on trying to fit into a specific style. And I, have really tried to kind of do the opposite. Um, and I think for a while I, I was also fixated on like, what style am I, you know, where do I fit in? And I feel like over the years, I've kind of stuck with the rule of just buying what I love and investing in pieces that make me really happy. And I think that's kind of my, my biggest piece of advice to people is if you're stuck on your style or you don't know what your style is, I mean, there's tons of quizzes out there that will um, help you determine your design style, I guess. But my kind of rule of thumb is just buy what you love. And a lot of the times I find that when people start to combine and mix styles, it becomes this really eclectic, um, unique expression of, of you basically. So I think pinning what you love, finding colors and patterns and textures. And I always tell people to kind of look at the things that they've pinned on Pinterest or saved on their Instagram highlights. And there's always like a commonality. There's always like a common theme happening. So for me, there's lots of pinks and soft neutrals and Honestly, like whenever I'm stuck with a project or even, you know, designing my own space, I will refer back to those images and try to find those like common themes that are, that are woven throughout. Your channel helps because I thought style had to be super minimalist and everything had to be white and, uh, yeah. <laughs> and then see, yeah. oh yeah, you can do color. This is, this is awesome. I because think I also people get stuck in this kind of world of like, they see what everyone else is doing and working in publishing specifically in the home decor section for, for a long time, I noticed that interior designers or people who've been in the industry for a while, um, not everyone, but, but specifically in, in, I would say print media, a lot of the interiors look the same, like kind of, you know, month after month, it's like, it all looks kind of the same. And so I, I kind of came into the, to that world and wanted to change it up a little bit. Um, so I definitely don't think I stick with like the norms of decorating, but that's kind of what sets me apart, I think. And what, um, I encourage everyone to do because that's how you find your unique style. So what would you recommend to someone who is scared to experiment with color? 
I mean, I have the luxury of being able to experiment. This is my job. This is all I do. So I feel like it's definitely taken me a while, but you're right. Like I, I love experimenting with color and I really hope to inspire people to use more color in their spaces. And I kind of feel like, okay, if I can show you that this looks good, um, then maybe you'll be inspired to go bold with color. But I would say my, my number one tip is to use paint and to start kind of small. So, you know, I wouldn't necessarily say paint your whole room, like Navy. I mean, that would be probably be beautiful, but if you're scared of color, I wouldn't start to paint an entire room. Start with a small section, an accent wall. Maybe it's like a big circle, um, or, you know, like half of a wall. I find that when you start small, then you kind of get more confident and it's easier to experiment on a larger scale, but paint is such a great way to just become confident in using color. I would also say peel and stick wallpaper. Um, again, you can remove that was it. Revolutionary for me. <laughs> best. But you know, I would say like, go with something bold and something that you like, and just, if you hate it, you can take it down. If you hate the paint color on your wall, you can paint over it. And I think a lot of people forget that about paint. They see it as this kind of like permanent thing, but I have painted many a wall and painted over it because I've hated it. So it's all about experimenting. What are a few pieces and you can define pieces however you want. Um, but what are a few pieces that every space needs? Definitely plants. I mean, that's kind of the obvious answer, but I always find if a room is feeling empty or there's a corner that I'm like, I just don't know what to do here. Definitely plants always just make a room look beautiful. Any plant, it can be anything. There's no like right or wrong. Lighting is so, so important. And I feel like, again, this is something that people underestimate a lot. Like changing out your rental ceiling lights um, is just an instant way to add style and personality to, to your space. Even if you're graced with like beautiful lights in a rental or like somewhat nice lights in a rental, going for a really quirky, bold pendant light is, is just always going to make such a difference. And then my third thing I would say, bringing in pattern and, and color with texture. So blankets and throw cushions, that's a really easy way to make your space feel new and fresh every like few months or every season. Um, and also a great way kind of to answer your previous question to experiment with color as well. Maybe you're like, no, I just, I don't want to try paint. I don't want to try peel and stick wallpaper, bring in some bold cushion covers. And that's a great way to start experimenting with color. That's what I did on my white couch. <laughs> no, you, she did. <laughs> I did. Genevieve's apartment is all like Alexandra Gator inspired. <laughs> I love it. Literally this episode is coming at such a good time because my partner and I were figuring out like balcony stuff. So literally I was like, great, I can take all these tips because we got new furniture. When is the right time, if there is a right time to redecorate, buy new furniture, throw out old things? I love this question. For me, my rule of thumb is like every season. So when it, um, when it gets colder, like here in Canada, it gets pretty cold in the winter. You guys are based in Canada, right? Yeah. We're both like, I'm in Toronto and she's, she's oh, from okay, Toronto, Vancouver. but she was in BC. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you guys do. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. But for anyone who's listening, it gets really cold here in Canada. And for me, like seasons really influence how I feel in my space. So in the winter, I just want everything to be warm and cozy and inviting. I want tons of candles. In the spring and summer, for me, that's when, um, specifically the spring, that's when I want to clean my house. I want to refresh the decor. So for me, it's like beginning of every season. That's when I transition my space. 
But in terms of, you know, upcycling or getting rid of furniture and buying new things, I think that's totally like preference. But I always kind of say to invest in pieces that you're going to keep for a long time. To me, being on a budget doesn't always mean, you know, buying a sofa, for example, that's like really inexpensive. And I know that might sound weird, but for me, it's investing in pieces that you love and reusing them. So for example, I just moved and I brought my key pieces to my living room and my living room looks pretty much the same as it did in my old place. And I think people forget that they can bring pieces with them, but make them feel new with like different accessories. Yeah. Different colors and plants around those things to make them feel new and fresh. I hope that answered your question. That was kind of like a long-winded answer. No, it definitely did. <laughs> I just wanted to ask that because I yeah. think people can constantly new style, mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. You know, people see things. And I always say like, everyone's happy and everything's yeah. perfect on Instagram. So something I, something I say a lot on my channel is sometimes it's like the smallest things that can really make a space feel different or new, you know, even if it's like a new candle that you really love or changing out the knobs on your bedroom dresser. Like sometimes those tiny little changes can make a space feel brand new. I don't think you have to constantly change your furniture to make a space feel better. Or I don't think you always have to be changing to make a space feel fresh. So what are some common misconceptions about interior design and redecorating your home? I think the biggest misconception is that interior design is kind of something or decorating is something that like professionals do. And when I was at the magazine and I was working in the home department, I really felt like an outsider. I, you know, I don't have an interior design degree. I have a journalism degree and a photography background, but I kind of felt out of place and like you know, I didn't have the right to experiment or decorate my own space. And I think a lot of people feel that way. They're like, I don't, I don't know what I'm doing or that you need to follow some sort of set of rules. And obviously there's, you know, there's interior designers that go to school and have amazing careers and work. I, you know, so look up to and admire, but I think for, for all of us, the other, the other people, you can still have a beautiful space. Even if you didn't study that in school, all about just like gaining confidence and trying, trying new things. And I think a lot of people just think that, uh, you have to have practiced it for years to be good at it. Everyone can do it. That's really important to remember. (laughs) Yeah. And I think everyone can do it. And that's kind of what I aim to, I aim to inspire and empower people every week on my channel to just like do that thing that kind of scares you and to just gain confidence when it comes to your space. How can people use outdoor spaces to their advantages? Are there ways you can decorate your balcony or backyard? Because I feel like that can be a really like missed opportunity and you can create a whole other room in your apartment or your house. I always kind of think of outdoor space as an extension of your living space. And a trick that I love to do actually is bring accessories from indoors out. Obviously you don't want to leave your, you know, beautiful sofa cushions outside overnight, but when I'm entertaining, I will bring like blankets out from my living room or cushions. And I always find that it makes it feel like an extension of my living room. And it also just makes it look really beautiful and styled. And so I don't think you have to, you know, get two sets of cushion cushions, one for the outdoors, one for inside. And like who has space to store outdoor cushions inside, you know? Yeah. I would say that's like my biggest 
tip when it comes to outdoor spaces. I think light is really important. It like giving, having that soft glow in the evening is always so beautiful and plants, like having lots of plants on your balcony or your patio, ones that are suitable to stay outdoors. I just always feel it makes it, I don't know, just makes it feel like you're in your living room, but outside. Yeah. But it also kind of feels like in a, a resort in a sense, especially when you have those big plants and you have your little fairy lights and your, especially when you're stuck inside. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. yeah seriously. Also, there's so many amazing um, pieces of tableware that are meant for the outdoors. But again, like I love using my indoor tableware because it just makes it feel that much more special. And, and like I said, it's blessings to store, you know? So it's kind of thinking of your outdoors as if it's your indoors. I don't think you need like a sofa or large pieces of furniture. No. You can always just get like foldable chairs or, um, foldable dining tables like you even if you have a small space it doesn't mean uh you can't enjoy it yeah exactly you don't have to have like a fountain out there or anything (laughs) although if you can great amazing (laughs) imagine oh my gosh no i actually had a friend in high school um her dad had a um a pond with ducks in the backyard my dream and like chickens actually in our backyard (laughs) There's a, our landlord has a, a koi fish pond, which is like your landlord. Like that's so cool. <laughs> so in terms of decorating on a budget, because mm-hmm. that's huge. And that's a huge part of what you do on your channel. Um, what are some stores and places people go to find nice items that are priced? Well, they're inexpensive and affordable. I think it depends on what you're looking for. I think some of my favorites, you know, for every day, like staples would definitely be Ikea. I love Ikea's dressers. I just bought, you know, their Malm dresser, which I feel like everyone has, but it's just like that staple that always looks, that looks good. I love finding lighting on Etsy and I feel like people go to Etsy for like art and all of that stuff, which they offer. But I think people forget that there's like lighting and home decor. And the cool thing about Etsy is that you can usually have something custom made. Um, you can message the seller directly. And I always find that like their lighting, I mean, depending on which shop you're, you're looking at, but the lighting is pretty reasonably priced. I also love getting art from artists who sell their prints as downloadable art. So you don't have to, you know, spend like $300 on well, $300 to $3,000 on like gallery worthy art. And there's some incredible artists out there that just want to make their art accessible. So I'd say those are like my biggest three. I also, again, like really love quality. Um, So if you're buying a sofa or if you're buying like any of those big ticket items, I always say like article or um, struck tube, or even like West Elm is you know, pretty high up there. But if there's a piece that you really love and are going to have forever, I would say go for it. My sofa's from Ikea, but I covered it in a BEMS uh, cover. So it now looks custom. It's like custom velvet. And that cost me less than buying a, a regular priced sofa, a regular price, like velvet sofa. So I think it, it also depends on what you're looking for and just finding ways and like loopholes to uh, have your dream furniture pieces in your home. Yeah. And also Facebook marketplace is amazing. Yes. 100%. I found I some actually, great stuff on Facebook marketplace and Kijiji. I was going to say Kijiji. I actually just like literally today had some shelves delivered. Um, I worked with someone 
that I found on Kijiji who makes these beautiful custom industrial shelves with like piping and wood. And the shelf was under like $500 for a custom massive wall-to-wall shelf, like totally custom measurements, custom colors. People forget that there's, there's like makers on those sites, like people who make things custom, who are contractors and, um, yeah. So the, the, I would say Kijiji and Facebook marketplace too, for sure. Absolutely. And you can always, I'm not a DIY person. I'm not, I can't, yeah. my friend just did <laughs> shout out to Bia. She just moved apartments and like did all this DIY stuff. And I was watching her, her YouTube video yesterday and I like turned, turned to Kevin and I said, Nope. I'd rather just buy it. I can't do any of that. I would just get so frustrated. <laughs> I think sometimes like when you're, when you're looking for those, for example, like the shelf I just had built industrial shelves cost over a thousand dollars. Um, probably like $2,000. Like this is a massive wall to wall shelf. So I think it's finding people in your city, um, through Kijiji or through Facebook marketplace, or even just putting a call it on your Instagram or Facebook page and saying like, Hey, does anyone make this thing? Because there are so many talented, incredible people who like, don't want to upcharge you, who will sell to you directly and who love having that DIY project on the side. So, Oh, the thing I was going to say is, Mm -hmm. um, home Depot, literally you can buy wood and put that in as a shelf. The end. And you can get wood like custom cut at the hardware store. Um, And I also just think it's just like asking people for help, right? Like going home to you and being like, I need this size. I need this wood. I need it in this size. Please help me. And like someone will help you. People know what they're doing. (laughs) I've also heard of stores. I think Habitat for Humanity runs them called Restore. Um, And yeah, like we have some friends. They got some amazing velvet bar stools for like 30 bucks for the both of them. They furnished yeah. her whole apartment for under 200 bucks. I can't wait yeah. till thrift stores open again. Oh my gosh. Same. And homes. Yeah. Oh, literally, literally. Home I'm so, Alexandra, I'm so <laughs> upset because I want to redo so much. And I'm like, I can't. I, I, oh, the second home sense is open. I am running. <laughs> I'm camping out the night before. Yeah, I'm my friend Danny and I, we actually last year when they opened, we went and we waited outside in a long line just to walk around HomeSense. It's like, I don't need anything, but I like, I like the ambiance of HomeSense. <laughs> yeah. But you like, you don't go, you don't go in, think, you know, with a list of what you need from HomeSense. It's like Target. Ho- yeah. You yeah. go into HomeSense and HomeSense tells you what you need. It's like Dollarama. hundred <laughs> percent. So funny. Well, that's another thing. Dollarama has, can have some really good decor. Like I've got, I want baskets. I just want woven baskets from the dollar store and I know they're there and I can't buy them. And that's not what this podcast is about, but I can't wait until I can go buy them because the top of my closet looks horrible. Yeah. Yeah. And I think those stores are great. Like HomeSense and Target are great for things like baskets and laundry hampers and just those like little trinkets that anywhere else would cost a fortune. HomeSense and Dollarama. Where's that? I can't wait till they open. <laughs> <laughs> so are things like reupholstery, um, sanding and repainting furniture and staining wood, is it worth it? And if so, what are some ways that we can make it affordable? It definitely is worth it. I mean, it's not something I do, you know, super regularly, but I love using chalk paint to, um, repaint old furniture. So you were saying like going to the restore, going to Goodwill or any of those places to buy furniture secondhand, sometimes sanding them down and restaining makes such a difference. Stain, I would say is really easy to use. Um, paint gets a little more complicated 
not, not doable. Obviously it's very accessible, but paint is one of those things you have to like investigate. What kind of primer am I using? Do I need to sand the piece down first? Different materials will call for different primers. So like vinyl, not wood. That's not, I was going to say wood. That's not real wood. (laughs) Um, A piece that's made from vinyl with like a shiny, glossy top needs an oil-based primer. I um, need to let it dry for like a few hours and then you can put your color of paint on top. So for me, staining is more accessible. Um, but then using like a paint, like chalk paint that goes on basically anything or spray paint is also really great. I would say my one tip is to make sure you have enough space and time. I think a lot of people just think I'm just going to give this a coat of paint, but you need lots of space. You need outdoor space. Um, it just makes the process that much smoother. Another great way to budget is like using what you already have. So how can people use what they already have in a more interesting and appealing way? And what are some things that most people have lying around their homes that can make great decor that they normally wouldn't think of? Cause so I have two answers to that question. The thing I love doing is looking for unique ways to discuss the things you already have. So for example, uh, in your kitchen, taking your dried goods, taking them out of the boxes and putting them in glass jars. I say this tip all the time, but it's like the easiest way to marry function and decor. Suddenly you have this like beautiful display. You can have put the jars on your countertop. You have color, you have texture. So I would say, yeah, finding unique ways to display things. Another thing I love to do is kind of shop my own home, uh, like shop my own decor. So if I have a shelf, for example, every few months, I will change it around. I'll take all the decor off. I'll lay it in front of me. And for me, it just gives me like fresh eyes. And I might be like, you know, I actually really am sick of looking at this art print or I can't stand the color of this candle anymore. But I think once you like take it off the shelf and take a step back, it's just so much more fun and like easy to see things in a new way. Um, And sometimes it's not even about getting rid of the item or adding in something new. It's just about like changing things around. Even just switching the furniture around in your apartment. Also your tip revolutionary to me, don't put all your furniture against a wall. That blew my mind. My couch is no longer against a wall. So (laughs) I also think sometimes it's like bringing a blanket that's on your bed upstairs. Um, downstairs onto your sofa. Like, like, like it's literally shopping your own home. And I think a lot of people have too much stuff. They're just like living with an insane amount of stuff. And I try to be really conscious about what I keep in my home and I can like look around and honestly, like everything I have, I love. And so if I'm going to move it to another room, it's not, you're not spending any money, but it makes it feel different and and new and exciting. (laughs) Should you ask your landlord or check your lease about what you can and can't do in the space? I would say, you know, a lot of people don't want to approach their landlord about making changes. I was definitely like that at the beginning, but I feel like people would be surprised at, you know, if you come in with a plan and say, okay, I want to paint the kitchen cabinets. Here's the materials I'm going to use. Here's my inspiration. Here's the color I'm thinking, you know, here's the knobs that I'm going to put on the cabinets. When you come with a plan, instead of just phoning it up being like, Hey, can I like paint a wall? 
going in with a plan and saying like, here's how I'm going to update your space. Here's the materials I'm going to use. What do you think about this? I feel like a lot of people would be surprised at, um, the amount of like positive feedback they get from that. Like, like who, who doesn't want a tenant that's going to improve the space? I think it's just important to show them how you're going to do it. Cause I think a lot of landlords rightly so are just worried that you're going to mess up. Like mess it up. Yeah. I think it's just worth asking. I always err on the side of caution of asking them instead of just, you know, looking at your lease, but things like putting holes in the walls, I think, you know, to a certain extent, like you can patch those up. You don't need to ask your landlord, Hey, can I hang this picture above my, in my living room? Like, no. Um, but it's making sure, you know, ahead of time, how you're going to fill that hole, making sure, you know, the process, um, because there's nothing worse than like leaving an apartment with holes in the walls. You know what I mean? So like, it's just being courteous, but also meeting them halfway and having them meet you halfway too. Exactly. And that's why the the sticky backsplash tile. So go, go do it. Everyone, everyone do it. (laughs) Those products, they say they are removable and they don't leave any residue and they don't lie. Like we, people have just developed these amazing products that make it easy for renters to make these changes. So if you're going to install a tile that comes off, like you don't need to let your landlord know about that because it's literally renter friendly. It's literally removable, but something more semi semi permanent, like paint or, you know, making big changes, like changing lights. Like I would always run that by your landlord. Let's say your landlord says, Nope, sorry, can't paint or put up shelves or things like that. What are some other ways that people can still design and decorate their space in a unique way? Like I said, like finding unique ways to put things on display, um, like decanting your dried goods into jars, um, finding art pieces that are like really bright and colorful, adding in a ton of unique accessories like floor lamps, like decorative floor lamps make such a huge difference in a space. So if you can't change your overhead lighting, your hardware, your hardwired lighting, add in a beautiful floor lamp having fun with like the accessories too, which just makes such, such a big difference. I think art and lighting, um, are two things that really make a huge impact. Even if you can't paint or, you know, make those more like permanent changes going into a room and figuring out what do I want the focal point to be? So if lighting is like out of the question, maybe it's a really unique floor lamp, or maybe you need a really big piece of art on your wall, figuring out what the focal point is, and then finding something unique and bold to to make a statement. And it makes a huge difference. Like my boyfriend went to take out the garbage and he came out with this like beautiful giant painting with like a gold frame and it just brought the space to life totally wait did he like find that in the trash yeah it was it was in our like condo garbage oh my gosh like someone threw that out and that's probably like a 300 painting it's crazy what people throw away i mean maybe don't pick up the couch that's in the (laughs) that's in the garbage yeah that's like a painting i mean my friend my friend chelsea she found a planter box and she repainted it and every (laughs) When we would go to walk her dog, she would like peek over as we were leaving the apartment. She'd be like, anything? Nope. Okay. And then, yeah, when her fiance Nick was with her, he was like, Chelsea, no, you just look, there's nothing new. (laughs) What are some ways that people can use storage to their advantage in a tiny space and make it look good and still be functional? I always say like baskets. 
baskets everywhere. I have so many baskets in my living room, but they all serve a purpose. So for example, I'm just like looking over my living room. I have a basket that hides my modem and my TV cords. I have a basket that holds my cat toys, not my cat toys, Lottie's cat toys. And they're all decorative baskets. So they're out in the open. They look really beautiful, but they're also functional storage. I also think people forget about those spaces where they can hide things. So in my last apartment, it was pretty small. And I remember people would come into my space and they'd be like, where's all your stuff? Where's all your stuff? And I'm like, oh, it's behind doors. It's under my bed. Um, so it's just finding unique ways to like hide things and store things. So for example, uh, my vacuum, I didn't have a place to put my vacuum or my steam mop. It li- they literally lived behind my bedroom door. I always kept my bedroom door open. No one saw them. And that was just a really unique way of using, of using storage. But I would also say under bed storage, you can buy really decorative under bed storage or plain decorative storage for under the bed is fine too. But having all your seasonal stuff in there um, just to tuck it away. And yeah, it just creates so much more space, like so much more closet space, but it also looks really good too. Also too, I take advantage of suitcases. I'm from the US, I'm from Massachusetts and I have these big, huge, massive suitcases. So that's where I'll put like, you know, my boots, winter clothes, Christmas decorations. And then they're in the, you know, they're in the bedroom closet anyways. I mean, tucked in the back, but that's what I I do too. And I find it works a good tip. Yeah. And using like every inch of closet space you have. So, you know, you're hanging your clothes and then put stuff under your clothes, like have a shoe rack or, um, containers or suitcases. Like, yeah, that's a, that's a really good tip. I might, I might steal that. I like it. (laughs) Or even build upwards too. (laughs) Yeah. Upwards shelves and all that. Yeah. The amount of spaces I go into where everyone just has like too many things and they're like, I don't know where to store it. I'm like, you don't need five winter jackets. It's something I've been doing. I mean, I've kind of always been like this, but something I'm really conscious about is like only having the things that I use and I love. It just makes such difference when everything has a place, you just feel better. Like you just can breathe, you know? And I think we're all living in these smaller spaces, but we're just overpacking them. We're overcrowding them with stuff. So um, living with roommates is a great way to save money on rent, but it could get difficult when everyone kind of clashes with their interior design choices. What are some ways someone living with roommates can kind of compromise? I'm doing a whole video on this um, later on in the next couple of months, but Noah and I are going to, my partner, Noah and I are going to do a video about living together and trying to find a happy medium between both of our design styles. And I've had to learn this skill over the last couple months, sharing a space with someone um, who also has an opinion about what they like. Something we've done is, you know, use Pinterest, for example, or like having a mood board and both adding things to the mood board that we like. So for example, Noah's mood board is filled with dark colors, more industrial feeling um, pieces, whereas mine's very bright and airy. So it's trying to find a mix between both styles. So for example, in our living room, I insisted that we keep the purple sofa. And he was like, sure, like whatever, keep the purple sofa. That means that much to you. I may have shed a tear. It's the way to get things around here. You know, you shed a tear. I just need the purple sofa. He's like, okay. But the lighting, he was like, absolutely no to the bird light. This bird light that I have, which I love. Yeah, I know. He I know. said, no, break up with him. I know. I'm just kidding. Don't. I could oh never. 
gosh. He's no, no, no. It. Aww, um, no, he seems, he seems lovely. But I was like, okay, well, is there somewhere else in the house that I can put it? So we've landed on upstairs. Uh, we have this hallway and I think we're going to put it in the hallway. So in the living room, we're doing a really industrial, like modern light. And it's going to look really cool because it's going to be a mix of both our styles, industrial, but then you have the purple sofa. So I honestly think it's just standing up for the things that you really want and feel are important for you to have in your space. Like I could have negotiated and got rid of the purple sofa, but kept the bird light. But I was like, no, the purple sofa, it's the purple sofa for me. So I think it's like figuring out what you absolutely can't part with or a piece that you really feel represents your style and then just negotiating that. But in a situation with roommates, I think it's coming together and being like, okay, I will compromise on the industrial light. I will compromise on the purple sofa. I will compromise on the boho floor lamp or whatever. Um, and just like bringing all of your design and spoke to the table, I think is really helpful. So another really good way that, and especially being a millennial, a lot of them live at home with their parents. So what are some ways that people living at home can make the space their own? It's always good to have a space that is primarily yours. So again, I'm just using the example of Noah and I, um, he has an office uh, in our home, I haven't, I have a studio where there's a bird light. So I really can't complain, but, um, (laughs) but you know, his, his office is a true expression of, of himself. Um, and you walk in there and you're like, okay, Noah definitely lives in this room. And I think it's really important that we carve out those spaces for ourselves and have a space, whether it be a corner, like maybe it's not a room, maybe it's a corner in your home where you're like, I'm going to have all the pom-poms. I'm going to have all the pink here and just making that corner feel like, so you is a really great way to carve out a space of your own. And I think that goes for, you know, having roommates as well. It's like, maybe you each kind of say, okay, this is my spot. This is my spot. And then you just express yourself in that space. Yeah. Communication really does solve most of all the problems in the world. Yeah. (laughs) It's just like compromise, like with the bird light. Noah literally brought up a really good point. He was like, you have an office with the same bird light. Cause I DIY'd, I DIY'd a larger version of it. I'm like, good point. I don't, I don't need to. It's true. Lights. Also for reference, this isn't like a, a light in the shape of a bird. <laughs> <laughs> okay. In my head, I kind I was imagining like a parrot light. That's so funny. Just like a neon parrot light. <laughs> <laughs> so funny. Uh, you mentioned in your Ted talk, the emptiness you fell after being let go from your job mm-hmm. with the pandemic resulting in the highest employment rates ever. What advice would you give to someone in a p- similar position you were in? Just do the thing that you love to do the most. And as I say that, I'm like, I hate that I'm saying that because everyone says that and it sounds so cheesy, but honestly, I think What I've observed is a lot of people who say they want to do something, their biggest obstacle is that they just like, don't do it. They're waiting for the perfect time. They're waiting for that spare hour they have in their day to make it happen. I honestly think that people can achieve anything if they just start. And, you know, I, after I lost my job, I didn't have a ton of money. I didn't have a solid income. I was living at my parents' house, which I realized, you know, I had the privilege of, and I know that not everyone has the privilege of doing that, but, um, but for the most part, like 
I was relying on freelancing jobs and my severance money. I just think that there's no perfect time to start something is what I'm trying to say. I think you just have to wake up and do it. I didn't really see that there was any other choice. Like I had started this video series. There was a lot of momentum there. And I was kind of like, I don't, I don't have any other, this is what I love to do. Like, I don't really have any other choice. And I think a lot of people are just kind of waiting for that moment to, to land their doorstep. But a lot of the time it's like, you have to make, you have to make that happen for yourself. I made the video series happen for myself at Chatelaine and I made this business happen for myself, but, but I would say that it wasn't like calculated. Like I wasn't sitting down and being like, okay, here's my master plan. I didn't even have goals. Like I didn't even set, you know, I want to reach 500,000 subscribers by this date. Like I just, I just did it. Yeah. And I know that might not work for everyone, but I think it definitely worked, worked for me. But also starting is often like the hardest part, but once you start and you kind of have an idea it does like, does it get easier kind of once you start a hundred percent. And I think, you know, for a while, uh, when I was younger, I had a blog and I was like, okay, I have to design the blog perfectly before I, um, before I actually start writing it. But I find, you know, my YouTube career actually like doing it has given me the experience and the resources to make it bigger and better. Um, if I go back to my like first videos on my channel, I'm so embarrassed. Um, it was only like two years ago, but I'm so embarrassed and I've come such a, such a, a long way, but I wouldn't have reached where I am now if I hadn't, I've just started that day. And that's, I think what I mean by like, it's never going to be perfect. You're never going to launch something and feel hundred percent confident or proud in what you're starting, but that comes with experience and, um, making mistakes and like, just like learning stuff along the way you know, even with like this podcast, you know, I'll compare myself and I try to remind myself, don't compare your beginning to someone else's middle because you don't see the beginnings. You see them when they have, you know, a hundred thousand subscribers or whatever. I think finding your niche is super important and being able to clearly define what you're doing and why you're doing it is also something people forget. Like, I think a lot of people are like, yeah, I want to start a YouTube channel. And I think I want to do like makeup hauls. And you're like, cool. That's great. But, but I think what helped my career grow so quickly was figuring out, like, I don't just want to do decorating. I want to help millennials who are renting. I want to bridge the gap between decorating and this like kind of, you know, off limits world of interior design. And I think when you set yourself apart like that, people know exactly what they're getting from you instead of just going to your channel and being like, okay, cool. She puts on makeup, which is totally valid, but I think the most successful YouTubers and content creators, they're not just doing makeup hauls. They're doing makeup hauls with, with this niche in mind, if that makes sense. So I would say also that's, and and that might not come to you right away. Like you might have to experiment with content until you find your niche, but it's all about starting and figuring out where you fit in, in this massive landscape of creators. If someone is moving out for the first time, what are uh, some furniture or decor pieces that they should get ahead of time? Um, or, and what can they get, you know, right when they move in? I think it's really important to live in your space before you buy things for your space, because oftentimes when we get into a space and we start to live our day to day, we're like, oh, I need this, or I need this, or this would look good here. So I would say like, not to rush the process of decor, but rather wait till you're in the space to get a feel of what you'll need. So I would say going in, like get the bare necessities, you know, a sofa, a bed, um, 
kitchen utensils, all of those things. And then once you move in, you can really build around those pieces and um, make your space feel like feel like your own. Uh, when I moved in to my first apartment for the first time, I actually didn't even have a sofa. I just realized that we were sitting on a blow up mattress for a long time because I didn't know what sofa I wanted, what size I needed. Um, and so I just waited until I found the right one. A lot of the things that I purchased, you know, that are in this new apartment now are things that I bought once I had lived in my first apartment for a while. So yeah, I think it's just having like the, the necessities and getting a feel of what you need once you, once you live in your space. Um, you'll also realize like, oh, I need this many baskets to organize things, or I don't know, this closet's going to be used for this. But I think it's hard to tell when you've just viewed a place like once. We're going to move on to listener questions right now. So Tiana Kralj asked, any tips on how to design, decorate with a significant other who also has opinions? Annoying, eh? (laughs) Word for word, that was her question. Yeah. (laughs) Kind of like what I said before, you know, it's compromise, but it's figuring out what pieces you absolutely can't live without. And I think I'm, I'm, you know, I, it might sound kind of silly, but for me, decor is how I express myself. It's, it's how I'm creative in the world. Um, and so there's certain things that I was like, no, no, I need, you know, I need the purple sofa. I need my throw blankets, but then it's compromising on what things you can live without. I also think I was really scared of mixing mine and Noah's style together. I kind of thought like, you know, everything needs to be pink and pretty and whatever. But as we've gone through the process, it's actually been really interesting to see how our styles complement each other. I think just like give it a try and actually see what your partner really wants in the space um, and find that, find that middle ground. I also think it's important, like I had said before, to have a space that does feel like your own where you can be, you know, truly yourself. So even if that's a corner or a closet, for me, it's our bedroom. Like our bedroom is white and calm and serene. And that was really important to me where his office is really industrial and like, you know, guy feeling. Um, so I think it's just like finding those spaces where you can play out your creativity, but also compromising. And I think like starting with a list, what things do you really want to see in this space? What things do I really want to see in the space? Mood board it, put it all on a mood board so you can both see it and just kind of middle ground. So Ashley underscore Fred underscore asks, how can you mix different styles effectively? I'm not an expert when it comes to, you know, playing by the rules. So I hope this answers the question, but I think it's just, like I said before, really bringing in pieces that you love. And if that means you're mixing boho with industrial or, um, I don't know, mid-century modern with boho, Uh, like, I don't think there's any rules. And I think you just have to go for it. I would say my tip is to not get stuck in this world of like, my room has to look like this one on Pinterest. I have to buy all, you know, white or all mid-century modern pieces. Um, And instead focusing on like, oh, I really like that coffee table. I really like that sofa. Do they look good together? Will they work together? 
one tip I say like tirelessly over and over again is to mood board. So bring all those products into a mood board. You'll get a really good sense of how things look together and how things work together. And sometimes you might be like, Oh, like, no, those styles don't work together. Or maybe they work beautifully together, but, um, visualizing it, even if it's not in your space yet, just visualizing it on paper can be super, super helpful. And we have our last one here. So it's Alexandra Cap is asking, how can I find my style on a budget and what core pieces should I save and splurge on? And how can you make your style shine in a rental apartment when you can't change much? Good question. I would say watch my videos, all of them. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like it'll answer this question better than I can in like a minute. But um, in terms of pieces that you should invest in, I think, like I said, those big ticket items, I really have learned to like, not splurge, like not spend, you know, $4,000 on a sofa, obviously, because I know that that's not attainable for a lot of people, myself included, but, um, really spending money on those pieces that you're going to have for a while. I don't think a sofa should be something that you change every two years. I think it should be something that grows with you and works in all different spaces. I think the smaller items like your trinkets or, uh, you know, your more like on trend items are the items that you don't probably want to splurge a lot on because you're going to be changing those up a lot. Um, and I would say I always, you know, I always encourage people to either, uh, go bold with their big ticket items, which I know a lot of people are like scared of because they don't want to spend money on something that's going to go out of style. Um, or splurging on the accessories or not, sorry, not splurging on the accessories, but picking accessories in a bold color to bring in that color and life to a space. Um, in terms of finding your style when you're on a budget, I think, again, it's just like going for colors and patterns that speak to you and things you're like drawn to time and time again. And I think it doesn't come overnight. I think it's, you know, a couple months pinning things or saving inspo photos. And then going back to those and saying like, what is the common thread here? Is it pinks? Is it reds? Do I love velvet? Do I love woods? Um, and a lot of people don't realize that they're like subconsciously pinning or saving the same styles over and over again. So it's just like taking a step back and taking a look at all of those images and your style is sometimes like right in front of you, you know? <laughs> For sure. And also too, I don't think, you know, no one's going to come over your house and if they do, they shouldn't be in there and say, well, that, uh, couch is too bold. And I don't know why you, you know, if those people are in your house, kick them out. Yeah. Also <laughs> going back, you know, to Ashley's questions, no one's going to come and be like, um, that's men's century modern. That's boho. Like they don't really go to get <laughs> like, no one's going to come in your yeah. house and say that. And I think the kind of like common theme here is like, you don't need to you don't need to play by the, the rules. Like you don't need to fit into a certain mold. Um, for a really long time, I was like, I don't even know what my style is. And I do this for a living. Like I, I really, honestly, I don't pay attention to that. I don't pay attention to the rules or the things that I should be doing or the colors I should be mixing. I just like trust that I know what looks good to me. Um, and if that doesn't look good to, you know, Susan, like, that's fine. It makes me. Yes, feel Susan. <laughs> also too, like they're not living in it. You are don't yeah. decorate your house for other people. Yeah, for sure. Why is it so important to create a home or a space that you feel good in? 
I love this question. I've said this, I've said this in all your questions. I'm like, I love all your questions, but I love this question because, um, it's why I do what I do. I think our spaces are, are such a reflection of how we feel on a day-to-day basis. Um, and you don't have to live in a fancy apartment for it to feel like home. Like that's totally not the point of my channel. My, the point of my channel is to like, even if you have a couple accessories that you really love and that make you feel warm and cozy inside, that's all that matters. I think more than ever, people are realizing that their spaces are a reflection of how they feel. And our spaces are all of a sudden, you know, so many different things to us. It's where we sleep. It's where we work. It's where we play. It's where we live, all of those things. And so having a space that just feels like good, um, I think more and more people are realizing is is so important and is a direct reflection of your mental health. Um, I have said this in many places, but I've suffered with anxiety pretty much my whole life. And I have like a, you know, a generalized anxiety disorder. I suffer from panic attacks. And for me, my bed and my bedroom growing up was always like a really safe space for me. And I've kind of just carried that in all the spaces I've lived. I want my space to feel safe and warm. And like I said, that doesn't mean you have to have the best you know, designer furniture. Um, it can simply mean coming home to like a really fun colored wall, like it, or a beautiful art piece that makes you feel happy every day. Um, but it's those little things that I find really turn a space into a home that feels, that feels good. When you love your space, it's hard to be in a bad mood. For sure. And maybe for some people that means like having an organized space or a clean home, but I think, yeah, just having a space that makes you feel happy the bottom line. You'll want to be there too. Also, I think yeah. it's so important, you know, before the, you know, panini happened, we were so <laughs> busy. And I know for me, like home is very important. You know, it's so busy and crazy, especially if you're in a city and you're yeah. on the subway and around a million people. And then you come home, you just want to kind of go, <sighs> okay. That kind of deep breath and feel comfortable. And yeah, I like, I like that you, tied mental health into it because it really does affect your well-being and yeah and all that so yeah also I thank really- you for thank you for sharing your you know your mental health struggles with us that thank you yeah no problem I think it directly something I don't really talk about a lot but I want to talk about more because it's it is really why I do what I do. And I think the best thing about my job is going into a space that feels chaotic and cluttered and giving it a makeover and like seeing how it actually makes people feel. And like, I find on camera when we do reveals, it doesn't always reflect that because people are nervous of the camera and they, they don't know how to react, but talking to them afterwards, like the amount of people that emailed me and say, like, I've never loved my house more. I've never felt happier. I've never felt safer. It's like, that's why I do what I do. That sounds so rewarding. It really is. It really is. (laughs) (laughs) So moving on to our last question, a question that we ask all of our guests, Alexandra, what is the most adult thing you've done this week? (laughs) Let me think about that. <laughs> the most adult thing. Okay. It's only Tuesday. <laughs> I was going to say probably make dinner. <laughs> terrible answer. <laughs> no, it's so true. Like the worst thing about yeah. growing up is having the, I, we have food at home talk. We have with food yourself. at home talk. Yep. 
Yeah. I, the other day, Noah and I on Sunday, actually, we went grocery shopping. We went to the market that we go to every, every week. And, um, we came home with like a bunch of fresh fruits and vegetables and our fridge was stocked. And then I made dinner and I was like, wow, we're, we're adults. Like I really felt like a grown up. Um, cut to the next night where we made ravioli at 9.30 p.m. and then went to bed at one. But we'll glaze over that. <laughs> no, we love that. We Balance, love that. We love ravioli know? night. We love ravioli night. Balance. Balance <laughs> is important as an adult. <laughs> That's great though. We've had an array of answers. You know, we've had, oh, I changed my tires. I had the the insurance agent, uh, risk advisor we had on, he said, you know, I had a really difficult conversation with someone. We're like, that's adult too. Yeah. Adult. I was going to say like paying rent, like also adult, you know, wait, the the first first is today. Rent is due today. today. Yeah. Rent is is due today. Actually. Thank you for the reminder. There you go. (laughs) You're welcome. Also, too, I love how you're completely redesigning your apartment. You're like, well, I cooked dinner. Meanwhile, you're putting up shelves and this and that. (laughs) That's also very adult. (laughs) Thanks. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't it funny how sometimes you're just like in your home and you're like, I'm a grown up. Like I can, I always say there's like few things that I always buy at the grocery store, like craft peanut butter. Never was allowed to have that as a kid ever. Like never. It's like icing sugar. I buy that religiously because I'm like, I can, because I'm a grown up. Yeah. I buy the non whole grain goldfish because yes, I couldn't have that growing up. And it's great. <laughs> I only buy it when it's on yeah. sale, but I love it every time. <laughs> yeah. I now eat like pints of Ben and Jerry without judgment. Oh. <laughs> Alexandra, thank you so much for coming on. Oh my goodness. This this we enjoyed so this so much. You were so helpful and inspiring. So thank you for coming on. If people want to find you, if people want more of your tips, tricks, and learn more about you, where can they do that? Yeah, you can follow me on YouTube at Alexandra Gator or my Instagram, which is also Alexandra Gator. Um, but yeah, I hope that you will all follow along. Thank you guys so much. That was so fun. Thank you everyone for listening to this week's episode of Society of Grownups. I'm Genevieve. And I'm Kathy, and we'll catch you guys next week. Bye.